It is a blessing to be with the Lord's people on the Lord's day to sing these great hymns and to worship together. What a blessing that is. And I am thankful to be up here to share the Word with you this morning as we come together again for the Word. We've already read it a moment ago. As we enter the new year, we often are thinking about things, markers of time and so forth. I wanted to think this morning about things that we need to get accomplished this year and to put it in the context of the fact of what's already been said this morning in our offertory prayer that time is short. Time is short. We don't often think about it. We ought to. The scriptures warn us to think about it constantly that time is short. And so we read a moment ago that Paul wrote to the Ephesian church and gave them some commands. Uh, God had inspired him to give commands that uh, were about walking circumspectly in the days in which they were living and to redeem the time. And so I want us to think about that today. I'm going to go back and read the text one more time. I want it to be fresh in our minds as we begin to just kind of walk through it. Obviously, we can't go through all of Ephesians today, uh, but we can look at this chapter and think about largely what's being said here. And he writes again, beginning in verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light." For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light." See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. As we look at this text, I want us to look at two points quickly this morning. First of all, a command to the body. This is a command to the people of God. And second of all, a reminder of the truth. And I want us to look at both these points. Obviously, I said a moment ago, we can't preach all of Ephesians, right? Ephesians is, says a whole lot. It would take us quite a long time to journey through Ephesians, but... And thinking about this this statement that Paul gives, a command, if you will, on behalf of God, that we are to redeem the time. Redeem the time. We need to think about the larger picture very quickly of Ephesians. Paul is writing to a church 
as he often writes, where the first half of the letter is very heavy in theology, isn't it? Paul often does it just this way. He sets into what our calling in Christ is, what our salvation is, that we were not a people who purchased ourselves, but Christ purchased us. He's the one who went to the cross and paid the price, set us free. We have life in Him. We couldn't earn that ourselves. It's a gift. He makes that point very explicitly in chapter 2. He talks about the fact that we are all one people in Christ by Christ's blood. And so that has some ramifications, doesn't it, that we have to think about. Like, for instance, what does it mean to be the people of God? Well, Paul says we ought to be united in one body, right? We ought to have a unity in Christ Jesus. And so he deals with that as an outworking of what he's talking about theologically. The orthodoxy has been given. So what's the orthopraxy? Live together as the people of God. One people in Christ Jesus, purchased by Him, united in Him, united to Him. And so that's one of the ways Paul works out how to live out that theology. But there are other ways. For one thing, he wants them to remember what they were before they were Christians. They look just like the pagan world, Paul says. You once were of the darkness, walking in darkness. Now you were called out into the light by Christ. So now live like a people who walk in the light. Walk like a people who walk in the light. Live that way. Well, how do we do that? Well, Paul gives many ways that we would do that, doesn't he? Uh, Chapter 5 is full of them. First of all, be imitators of God. As dear children, imitate their parents, imitate our Heavenly Father. Walk in love. Now, as you continue to walk through that, you're going to be, be seeing both what we are to do positively and what we're to avoid negatively. Avoid fornication. That's of the world. Avoid uncleanness. That's of the world. Avoid, avoid covetousness. That's of the world. It's not even fitting that those things would be named among you, Paul says. They shouldn't even be associated with you as the people of God. But he goes down to some things that I assume were issues filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting. He says these things are not fitting. Replace them in your mouth. Take out this kind of coarse humor and put in its place thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the language of the people of God. We are always to be thankful. Paul instructs us in this way over and over again. And what is the the reason for all this? Well, look at verse 5. For this you know, no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Verse 6 tells us that someone must have been arguing differently. Someone must have said, oh, it's not that big a deal to dabble in these things. It's not that much trouble. He says, let no one deceive you with empty words. Vain, empty words, words that have no meaning. He says, because these things, the things he's been mentioning are the reasons the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Make no mistake about it. Therefore, 7 says, do not be partakers with them. Don't join into these things. Separate from them. You once walked in darkness. You did the things that the world did. Now you are no longer in darkness. You are in the light of the Lord. Therefore, walk as children of light. We can just walk through this. Very easy to exposit what Paul is saying here. Now, all of this is leading to a command that we want to look at today. These are all commands, by the way, aren't they? These are not like suggestions. These are commands, right? He says, not even 
You're not even to have fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. Your job is not to partake in them, but to expose them. Right? If you were darkness, you would join in with darkness. But your job as light is to bring exposure to the darkness, to bring light to these deeds. You need to recognize what your role is now, Paul says. Now, all of this sets up an important command in verse 15 that I want us to think about quickly today. He says that we are to walk circumspectly. Now, some Bibles will footnote that and say carefully. That's fine. It does mean that, to walk thoughtfully, carefully, uh, cautiously. Any of these words might be used. They're all pretty accurate, but the reality is the word means with precision. Something like that, with precision. We're to walk very carefully, very thoughtfully, with precision. Why? Because there is a danger in not doing that. This word akribos, that's what it means to be careful where you step. Be careful where you put your foot. Be careful because we are to stand in the testimony of God and to be walking for Him not as the world walks. Now, my friends, this sounds like a warning that could be given very much in our own age. An age in which the uh, church is constantly stumbling upon trying to find worldly methods to grow itself, uh, to reorganize itself, all these various things. The church seems to be chasing after the world, and Paul's giving the opposite instruction here. You are not of the world. You are called out of the world. You are a holy people. You are God's people. Now, we live in the world. We minister to the world. We proclaim the gospel to the world. Paul wants us to remember all of those things, but you're not to look like the world. We're not to be exactly like the world. We're not to love everything the world loves or do everything the world does. And again, I think we see that in this text. Walk circumspectly. Be thoughtful in how you walk. Be thoughtful. Be precise. Plan out your steps as much as you can. Be careful where you step. Now, there are many uh, times in life you would be required to do this, aren't there? If you're an iron worker working on a high floor of a skyscraper, you're going to know to be very careful where you step because the next place you put your, put your, step, your foot might cause you to fall to your death. Paul says the stakes are high for Christians as well. We need to be careful where we step, mindful of where we step. In fact, he puts it this way, not as fools, but as wise. What does he mean there? Be informed about the steps we're taking as we walk. Not like fools who are just stumbling around. right? Fools aren't very, very careful about the path they're walking. They're just walking. Paul says, no, that's not to be the way it is with you. Be wise as you walk. Be wise as you walk. And that brings us to this key thing that we want to look at today. He says that there is a call to redeem the time. Redeem the time. So as we're walking circumspectly, as we are carefully walking in the light, we are called to redeem the time. Now, immediately we're given, if you will, the reason for this, or, or he gives us a because statement here. He says, because... The days are evil. The days are evil. Paul wants us to think about the fact that we live in evil days, evil times. 
In Galatians, he says, we have been redeemed from this present evil age. Paul in eschatology here recognizes that we live in an, if you will, unredeemed age in one sense, right? It's a fallen age. It's a sinful age. It's a present evil age. Paul says you live in such a time and therefore you need to be mindful of that. And therefore, if these days are evil, we need to redeem the time that we're given in these days. Now, to redeem can mean to buy back. We know that. There are other ways of looking at this. Um, buying up the present opportunities, the way F.F. Bruce words it. Buying up the present opportunity. That seems a little bit of a strange way of putting it, but the idea is this. You're buying back the time. You're buying back the time. Martin Lloyd-Jones compared it to a man who uh, goes out shopping and he's constantly looking for a deal. Now, is such a man careful? If he's looking for a deal, he is, isn't he? He's always looking at what the inventory is. I think he gives the example of a man who's constantly watching shop windows and shelves to recognize when there's something there he hasn't seen before. And that level of caution is needed. Why? Because he's looking for the best opportunity. Now, we can put this in our own way of thinking. Maybe perhaps you know someone who likes to shop for antiques. Right? They're always going to the antique shops, aren't they? They're always looking for that new piece that wasn't there before, looking for something that's got a really good bargain on it. Now, maybe for some of them, it's they want to add it to their collection. Maybe for others, it's they want to sell it, right? make a profit on it. Either way, the example works because they're going to be careful in what they're looking at. As they go through shops, they're not going to have their heads up toward the ceilings, not looking carefully at what there is, but they're going to be looking for that, as F.S. Bruce put it a moment ago, present opportunity. What is the opportunity given to us? In the same way as we think about redeeming the time, we're called to look for opportunities. Opportunities to make use of the time that God has given us. To, if you will, purchase that time, to make good use of that time, to see the openings and opportunities that are presented to us and to use it for God's glory. Now, why do we do that? Well, Paul's already told us the days are evil. We need to think not like the world, walking in darkness, continuing in that way. We need to be a people who are looking for opportunities to serve our Lord, to do His work, to do His bidding. And so we are told here, redeem the time. Be on the lookout for, for opportunity, for, for moments that in which we can do things uh, that God has called us to do. Now, I do believe there's a general principle here, right, of how we are to live our lives. But we shouldn't mistake that what is really being said here is that we're always in this moment, always. Obviously, as human beings, there are times of rest. God has appointed for us to have times of rest. But the point here is that we should be a people generally who are looking for opportunities to redeem the time that we've been given. It's really important to think this way. Really important. Now, again, because we live in evil days, this work becomes even more important. You might argue the more evil the days, the more important it is to be mindful of our calling to redeem the days. As we talk about maybe dark shadows on the horizon in terms of uh, things getting more difficult for churches in North America, these are also opportunities. We need to recognize that. Uh, wherever the church is persecuted, the church generally grows. The witness of Christ becomes uh, abounding. It can't be contained. We see it over and over again. We should never be a people discouraged. Just because the days are evil, Paul says, get to work because the days are evil. 
Because the days are evil, you need to be at work. And so again, this is our call to redeem the time. And so we need to be looking for opportunities wherever we are. And that realizing this is the command of God for the people of God. The command of God for the people of God. And that brings me to my second point this morning. I told you I was going to try to be quick this morning. I might actually be able to do it today. Um, there's a reminder of truth here. A reminder of truth that's already been mentioned this morning. Time is precious. Time is precious. We only have so much of it. It's easy to walk through life and forget about that, but this command stands against a backdrop of truth that is inescapable. We all have a limited amount of time, and no one, not any one of us knows how much time that we have. It's a commodity that is always shrinking for us, always shrinking. It might be the only one that's always shrinking. You know, maybe you have some good finances, and it takes a little bit of an uptick. Maybe you have more property than you did a year ago, but one thing is for sure, you have less time in this life than you did last year. Less time. And my friends, we need to recognize that the Bible doesn't shy away from that. It tells us this over and over and over again. It reminds us of this. Now, uh, we know that one day our Lord will return or we'll be coming to the end of our own life. And so we realize that this is not a limitless resource for us. And the wealthiest man on earth cannot buy more time for himself. And we need to recognize that. Jonathan Edwards once wrote that time is so clearly precious to us because A, we have so little of it and we have no control over it. He says we cannot be certain of its continuance in our own lives, meaning none of us know that it will continue on and on. In fact, we know that it will not continue on and on. We just don't know how long until it fails to continue on and on in this life. And second of all, a stark reminder, I think, tied very much to what Paul is arguing here. Once it passes, it cannot be recovered for, from, for us. It cannot be recovered. No matter how many of us look at our youth and, and other times in our life and, and think we wasted so much of that time, we can't get it back. We can't get it back. And it's a reminder of how fragile time is, how fragile life is. And we need to think about that. You know, I was thinking, uh, I don't know that I've ever seen a year um, where at the end of a year, so many people were saying they were glad to see a year gone. I don't know if you all saw this, but over and over I would hear people say, oh, 2021, so glad it's over, goodbye. I think uh, there was even in the news I saw where people were saying obscenities related to this uh, in some of the, the shows that come on on New Year's Eve. Uh, it was a tough year for a lot of people, but as a reminder for a lot of people that time does not march on indefinitely. Right? A lot of us had those reminders in 2021 that life comes to an end one day and my friends we need to recognize that none of us are promised tomorrow preachers have preached that forever haven't they none of us are promised tomorrow it is true it is true there's no guarantee i'll be back tonight to preach the evening message by god's grace i'm planning on it but he may have other plans for me we recognize this we all know this None of us can say what will happen tomorrow or the next day. We know that God is sovereign over these things. But we recognize at the same time that it's precious and that time needs to be redeemed, used for a holy purpose. Used for a good and holy purpose. Now again, we are called to have times of rest and recreation. God gives us that by His grace. 
Uh, the Sabbath day is a day of rest. We are given these things by God. But we need to be careful to avoid what Richard Baxter once called the thieves of time. The thieves of time. These are things that steal your time from you. Inordinate amounts of sleep and recreation and, and nonsense. But there are other things as well that he listed. We need to recognize that these things can steal our productivity for the Lord. And so we need to be at battle against those things. We need to redeem the time in our lives for the Lord's glory. Now that is true, Paul says, of those in Ephesus. 100% for sure. But by extension, since we have this word, it's also to us, isn't it? As individuals, we are to redeem the time God has given to us individually. But I've been thinking this week about that there's also a truth in this for a congregation, isn't there? That a church is given a place and time to minister and function. And we, after all, are only a collection of individual believers, right? A body of believers brought together. This is written to a church, a church. And there is a reminder here that we need to redeem the time. That we've been brought together for a great work. It's a great work because it's God's work. And that we are in this present evil age and that we collectively need to redeem the time. Now we do that as individuals. We do that because all the members of the church are redeeming time. But also there is a function of our life in which we are in this ministry together. And we need to recognize that in that way we also need to redeem the time. We need to be purposeful about setting and achieving goals. I'm thankful for much of what we've accomplished the last few years. It has been outstanding. But there is more to be done, more to be done. And there's never a time, by the way, if we take those uh, Reformation uh, you know, statements that we have of uh, reformed and always reforming, those things never end. We never are at an end in looking to the Word of God and saying, do we look like this? Are we there yet? What more do we have left to do? That never ends. As soon as you get to the point where you think we've got it, we've achieved it, you're going to read a text and say, ooh, I hadn't thought about that one. We might need to do something here. That's what is considered normal for the church. We are always be looking to the Word of God for instruction and refining our lives both individually and corporately according to the Word and will of God. And so again, as we come to this present moment, as we enter another year by God's grace, we come to a moment where we ask ourselves, what will 2022 look like? And the truth is, we don't fully know, do we? Uh, I don't have any ability to look uh, past the present moment. I can think I know what an hour from now looks like and where I'll be, but we don't know. Things change. Two years ago, nobody was thinking about some virus out of China that we were going to be dealing with, and yet it came. And we see these things, right? Bumps happen. Things happen in the world, and we have to deal with them. That's just the reality of living in the world. But we're still called to redeem the time, to make the most of the time that God has given us. And so we need to think about this. Another way I think of thinking of redeeming the time is to say, if by God's grace we're here one year from now, what will 2022 have looked like? Now there are different ways of thinking about it. We could have accomplished very little in 2022, right? We could look back and say, well, we didn't get much done. Or we could look back and say, man, it was one of the most fruitful years we've ever had. Amen. Right? Both are possible. But redeeming the time is Paul saying, if you will, think today about what you'd like to say a year from now. 
And ask yourself, how are we going to try to use the time that God gives us if He grants us that time? And I believe the answer that He would give us, clearly given to us in the Scriptures, is redeem that time. Use that time. Now, again, that doesn't mean running around like chickens with your head cut off, right? Just everything is a good idea. No, but it does mean we need to set goals, be thinking about those things we need to accomplish and finding ways to accomplish them. Now, that's what we're called to do, and I believe that's true for us as individuals and a congregation, as, as a congregation. So, my friends, I just want to challenge us this morning. There are many things we've talked about that we want to get accomplished this year. Many things, a great many things. Important things, things that we've said is very high on, on our agenda. We need to begin working towards those things right off the bat, right off the bat. In the next weeks and certainly over the next couple of months, be moving noticeably on those things. Because of this call, we have to redeem the time. And so, my friends, let's make the most of this new year that God has given us. And thank Him for this new year that He's given us in which we can serve Him. Amen.